0: Welcome to the Aspen Chapel podcast with me, Nicholas Vesey. Here uh, In England, they always say it was composed by Henry VIII because it wasn't. Uh, but it is of that ilk, isn't it? That, that era. Fantastic. Thank you. Good. So um, here we are. Uh, we're in the second Sunday of Advent. And uh, this is the this is sort of second of a sort of course we're doing called The Coming of the Cosmic Christ. And uh, if you missed any of them, if you pick up one of these little red cards at the back, it'll tell you how to get previous things that have happened in the chapel, how to look at us live or on the podcast and uh, all that sort of business. Um, So, The Coming of the Cosmic Christ. Last week, uh, we looked at the idea that Christ was not Jesus' last name. Um, that actually, although he's called Jesus Christ, uh, Christ means the Anointed One. And he represented the you know, manifestation of the cosmic Christ, the eternal Christ, which we talked last week as being the ordering principle that has been with us since time began. And he represents that in his coming. And really, at Christmas, you know, what we're doing is celebrating that. You know, those people that wrote the Bible were not aware of the Big Bang and everything that went with it. So they tell their own story of the creation of the world. And that's become the traditional story of the Christian religion. The story that they've told just as every other religion has their own creation story if you look at each religion every religion has its creation story I always like to think that you know religion is a cultural interpretation of a particular experience so each religion has its own story and ours you know we're in a chapel here I'm a Christian minister you know that's, that's my jam ours tells this is our story The story of the spirit hovering over the water, the creation of man, the appearance of wisdom or the divine feminine, the Sophia, as Ward reminded us last week. The appearance of divinity to Moses, to Elijah, and finally to the birth of Jesus. And in telling the story of the coming of the cosmic Christ, we look at that story, the overall cosmic story, and we see what it has to teach us about modern day life. And really, that's the purpose of this course, you know, what, could, what we always say at the chapel, you know, when they say, what do you do at the chapel? You know, what we do is we come together and we, we think together, how can I live life more skillfully? What can I do to live life more skillfully? And really looking at the whole idea of the cosmic Christ, the question is, how can I use this to live life uh, more skillfully? In this story, the Christ is the organising principle, the DNA within everything manifest in Jesus and now manifest in our life today And, and I used last week always like that quote from the 14th century mystic Meister Eckhart which I'm going to come back to relentlessly during this course and he said 14th century remember he said what good is it to me if Mary gave birth to the son of God 1400 years ago and I do not also give birth to the son of God in my time and in my culture and I think one of the lessons of this story for us is how do we give birth to the Christ today in our culture? And to do that today, I think it's worth looking at how Mary and her part in the story, she birthed Christ 2,000 years ago, how that, what that can teach us. Perhaps it can give us some guidance as to how we might give birth in our time. And I came across a poem Uh, which I just thought was so relevant to this, and it just sort of spoke into it. And the poem is called Annunciation in the House. It's a poem about the angel's visit to Mary to announce the birth of Jesus. And it's by uh, Denise Levitoff, uh, a British-born American poet. We know the scene, the room, variously furnished, Almost always a lectern, a book, always a tall lily, arrived on solemn grandeur of great wings, angelic ambassador, standing or hovering, whom she acknowledges as a guest. But we're told of meek obedience, no mention of courage. The engendering spirit did not enter her without consent. God Waited. She, she was free to accept or refuse, choose the integral to humanity. Aren't there annunciations of one sort or another in most lives? Some unwillingly undertake great destinies, enact them in sullen pride, uncomprehending. More often, those moments... When roads of light and storm open from darkness in a man or a woman are turned away from in dread, in a wave of weakness, in despair and with relief, ordinary life continues. God does not smite them, but the gates close and the pathway vanishes She'd been a child who played, ate, slept like any other child, but unlike others, wept only for pity, laughed for joy, not triumph. Compassion and intelligence fused in her, indivisible. Called to a destiny more momentous than any in all time, she didn't quail, only asked a simple, how can this be? And gravely, courteously took To heart the angels reply, the astounding ministry was offered, to bear in her womb infinite weight and lightness, to carry in hidden finite inwardness nine months of eternity, to contain in slender vase of being the sum of power, in narrow flesh, the sum of light. Then bring to birth, push out into air a man-child, needing like any other milk and love. But who was God? This was the moment no one speaks of, when she could still refuse. A breath unbreathed, spirit suspended, waiting. She didn't cry, I cannot, I'm not worthy, nor I'm not the strength. She did not submit with gritted teeth, raging coerced, bravest of humans. Consent illumined her. The room was filled with light. The lily glowed and the iridescent wings. Consent, courage unparalleled, opened her utterly. And you know, I think this uh, and the story in the Bible tells us much about what it means to give birth to the Son of God in our own lives and in our own time. Because that is the task that we face. The Christ nature, the organising principle has brought together the whole of creation to this point. We have arrived at the end point of creation. Right now. Right now is the end point of creation. Right now. Evolution has gone from the inanimate to life to humanity that is able to self-reflect. And in self-reflecting, we have become the universe made conscious of itself. In our self-reflecting, we have become the universe made conscious of itself. The next stage of evolution is one of the evolution of that consciousness. And we play a part in that. As conscious beings, we have the choice To bring love into the world rather than stick with self-interest. We have a choice to bring love into the world or to stick with self-interest. Love, definition used here, is giving with no expectation of return. That's our definition of love. And that is not generally the way of the world. Giving with no expectation of return. To birth the Christ in our lives, in our culture, is to birth the loving, self-giving aspect of ourselves and so make our contribution to the evolution of consciousness. And this is the way it works. If you, if you want to you know how, how does this work, this is how it works. The dawn of evolution saw the Big Bang arrive. It arrived, the Big Bang, with no expectation of return and therefore it can be said that it arrived in love. And that love came from some ordering DNA that led to the unfolding of planets and life and all creation as we know it. In the Christian tradition, we call that ordering principle, that spiritual DNA, we call that the Christ nature. What John called the logos or the word, as in in the beginning was the word. That loving nature brought each one of us into being. And we were all given our lives with no expectation of return. No one, you know, came up to us and said, right, I've given you life now, here's the bill. You know, you were given it freely. We were given life. It was a gift of love. So the ground of all being, the basic currency of the universe, is love. Giving with no expectation of return. And the Bible expresses that by saying God is love. It sort of works. So... We, in turn, have the chance of becoming part of that loving evolution of the universe. And we do that by expressing love in our lives. We give with no expectation of return, rather than coming from our own selfish self-interests. And when we do that, when we give in that loving way, we become part of love, which is the basic fabric of the universe. We then become the DNA of the universe by expressing love. By living, we become love and therefore we become a part of the love of God. Which is what the Bible calls the body of Christ. That's really what it is. It's the DNA that we're a part of. That's the way it works. And through that, we make our own contribution to the evolution of all things. But you know, when we look out into the world, we see how much that is needed. The news is full of the cruelty of dictators imposing their will on the world. You know, it's it's in all the news. You know, people, dictators lying, covering up crimes, suppressing opinions, denying rights, bringing death and destruction to innocent people with impunity. There is a breathtaking disregard for humanity in so many world leaders at the moment. And even where there is good government, we still have poverty and homelessness. We have people without healthcare, and we have 80 million refugees around the world trying to find a place of safety. So we do need this loving nature in the world. And if not me, who? And if not now, when? When? It's easy to think that I'm not going to make a difference. But that's so manifestly untrue. We only have our own lives to make a difference in. We can't live someone else's life. We've only got our own lives to make a difference in. The people we meet, the people we know, the people we touch, the situations that come our way. All of us can make a difference in our own lives in the fact that the only place where someone can make a difference to our lives is us, in our own lives. We're the only ones able to make that difference. How wide that difference spreads is not up to us. How wide that difference makes is not up to us. That is in the hands of the Christ nature itself. And some people don't know the difference they make. I bet Gandhi's mum didn't know. I mean, you just don't know the difference you're going to make in the world, you know. All we can do is birth the nature, that nature in our time and in our place. And Mary showed us the example of how to do that. What we know about Mary is that a cataclysmic event happened to her. In her case, you know, the story goes she's visited by an angel. In our case, it might be something very different. A friend might die, or we could have a huge legacy, or a health problem ourselves, or a new opportunity. It it could be anything, that cataclysmic event that sets us off on that path. Here's the story of Mary told from the Bible. In the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married To a man named Joseph, a descendant of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. The angel went went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, you have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. And he will be great and we be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. And his kingdom will have no end. How will this be, asked Mary, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God even elizabeth your relatives is going to conceived in her old age and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth months for no word from god can ever fail i am the lord's servant mary answered may your word to me be fulfilled and then the angel left her at first like all of us she's frightened Fear is often our reaction to, to a cataclysmic event we 're just looking to look now at you know, just how what she did and what, what happens in our life. Fear is often a, a reaction. But the angel told her, Do not be afraid, and when she was told what would happen, she had that normal reaction of "Why me? you know why me i 'm a virgin she 's then told that it is the lord's will and that the lord will provide the resources for her to deal with it her response is acceptance and consent acceptance and consent i am the lord's servant mary answered may your word be to me be fulfilled and from there from that moment the son of god is birthed in her and that acceptance and consent Is so important to us when we're faced with our own life-changing situations. To know that if we accept what is happening, radical acceptance, and we've talked about this before. If we accept what is happening, we'll be given all the resources we need to fulfill the birth of whatever is being given to us. It is the radical acceptance that enables us to do that. And she was chosen for the role. Greetings, you who are highly favoured. And we are chosen for the things that happen in our life. We are chosen for the circumstances that come to us in our lives because they're not coming to anybody else. They're coming to us. What happens to us only happens to us. Our life is unique, as is our relationship to all creation. Our life is unique, as is our relationship to all creation. Essentially, each of us And you know this is true. Each of us is alone. Completely alone. Accompanied only by our intimate relationship with our consciousness. We are accompanied by our intimate relationship with our consciousness that contains everything else. But that is our point of meeting with the universe, our intimate relationship with our consciousness. And that unique relationship brings are circumstances where we can either birth the self-interest that comes from our unenlightened minds, the self-interest that leads to the cruelty that we see in the world. We can either choose that, self-interest and cruelty, or we can choose to accept our lives and what what it brings to us and respond with, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And those first few words are important. I am the Lord's servant. If we are first and foremost the servant of the divine nature, then we give ourselves in love. And we use that love to change the world around us. If we serve our own self-interest, I serve myself, then we simply add to the cruelty and pain in the world. And the choice is ours. If we choose to serve life, if we choose to birth the Son of God in other words, the Christ nature, in our own time, in our own culture, then we choose to make a positive contribution to the evolution of consciousness. We have to look into our lives with that in mind, to take what we're given in the way of challenges and respond to them in the most loving way. James Finley, who was Thomas Merton's pupil, and he's coming to us here in March, always says that when you look at a situation, you should ask this question. Given all the circumstances, what is the most loving response I can make here? Gee, it works every time. Given all the circumstances, what is the most loving response I can make here? And that is how we birth the Christ nature into our world. When we become part of that cosmic Christ... It can become a constant in our living. It is our giving in the way we meet people, in the way that we meet situations, in the way that we face both difficulty and ease, in the way that we face success and in the way that we face failure. In sickness and in health, like a marriage, which is why monks and nuns are often seen as marrying Christ. It is It is that marriage to life. We can choose to birth the Christ nature in our lives by using those same words of Mary. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. I'm going to give you a a choice here. Would you like to hear that poem again or would that be boring? Should you hear that poem again that I started with? Because I think having had that, just listen to this again, because it sort of fills... It's such a beautiful poem. If you could ignore all the bits about, you know, sort of trying to get into the history, history of it, but just look at it in terms of the birthing of, of wisdom. We know the scene. The room, variously furnished, almost always a lectern, a book, always a tall lily. Arrived on solemn grandeur of great wings, the angelic ambassador standing or hovering... Whom she acknowledges as a guest. But we are told of meek obedience. No mentions of courage. The engendering spirit did not enter her without consent. God waited. She was free to accept or to refuse. Choice integral to humanness. Aren't there annunciations of one sort or another in most lives? Some unwillingly undertake great destinies, enact them with sullen pride, uncomprehending. More often, those moments when roads of light and storm open from darkness in a man or a woman, they are turned away from, in dread, in a wave of weakness, in despair, with relief." Ordinary lives continue, God does not smite them, but the gates close, the pathway vanishes. She'd been a child who played, ate, slept, like any other child, but unlike others, wept only for pity. Laughed in joy, not triumph. Compassion and intelligence fused in her, indivisible. Called to a destiny more momentous than any in all time, she didn't quail. She only asked a simple, how can this be? And gravely, courteously took to heart the angel's reply, the astounding ministry offered. To bear in her womb infinite weight and lightness, to carry in hidden... Infinite inwardness, nine months of eternity, to contain in slender vase of being the sum of power, in narrow flesh the sum of light. Then bring to birth, push out into the air a man-child, needing like any other milk and love, but who was God? This was the moment no one speaks of. When she could still refuse, a breath unbreathe, spirit suspended, waiting, She didn't cry, I cannot, I'm not worthy, nor I have not the strength. She didn't submit with gritted teeth, raging, coerced, bravest of all humans. Consent illumined her. The room filled with its light, the lily glowed in it, and the iridescent wings. Consent, courage unparalleled, opened her utterly thanks for listening. If you feel moved to make a donation to the chapel, please go to aspenchapel.org. Thank you, and if you'd like to receive these podcasts regularly, subscribe to the Aspen Chapel through Apple, Google Play, YouTube, or any other outlet.